Welcome to Dicey Stories, where we tell stories shaped by dice. You're listening to our tabletop role-playing game, Actual Play Podcast, episode 79. Today's episode is another installment of our series, Cruise Control, set in the Star Wars universe between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. It is played using Fantasy Flight Games, Star Wars, and Genesis role-playing materials, and the Mythic GM emulator. This is scene 11. JT meets with Ursa Diol for some quiet meditation and a heart-to-heart on the moth. For the story up to this point, visit our website, DiceyStories.com, where you can listen to previous episodes or read the serialized write-ups of our adventures. Now let's get rolling. We've got a story to tell. We need to do a scene setup because we didn't do it before. Chaos level is five. You had gotten Ursa Diol to agree to meet you Right and early. 6 a.m. 6 a.m. So the setup is meditation meeting with Ursa Diol. Yes. What is your goal? I recall that GT wanted to convince Ursa to have some kind of intervention with them off. That we need to take action to find the right way to phrase it, like turn them around. Change a path. Yes. So buy in for the moth intervention yes. is what you want from Ursa. This is going to be social. Completely. And you have to roll a d10. And if That's it right. is equal to or under the chaos level, then there is an adjustment to the scene. Seven. It is not. You are safe. JT, do you manage to wake up in time? I think it's fair to make a discipline check. Like, JT's going to make it, but she might be late. Okay. And that'll color the... Yeah. The other yeah. option would have been, like, vigilance. Like, did you remember to set the alarm? I'd be fine with either. I think discipline to like drag yourself out of bed. Well, setting the alarm, pretty straightforward. God, it's so weird. It's not like JT stays up super late either. No, but you don't have to stay up late to like to sleep no, in. So true. we'll say two purples, but I'm going to put a black die. Because it's so busy. This is, you had a busy day yesterday and this is way early for you. One success. All right. Whole mess of threads got canceled. So I think JT lies there for just a, one minute. Alright. Alright, let's do this. Ugh. You're going off to meditate in the gardens? Yeah, like, there's a whole, like, slightly different vibe to the place at 6 a.m. Like, there's people jogging. There's. Oh, yeah. It's not busy. I mean, Carlani's already done two thirds she... of her morning triathlon. Yeah, she's on cooldown, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think even, like, the lighting in the halls has sort of, like, a dawn yep. vibe to it. You know, older couples are out for a walk. They get walking up at... their space dogs. JT's <laughs> just looking around. I've never seen. I didn't even know they had this. <laughs> they didn't know morning existed. There's some, like, super early breakfast place. Oh, yeah. Maybe in other circumstances you would go to an all-night diner, but you would be there at, like, you know, midnight or something. Yeah. You'd never think, like, all right, an all-night diner would serve breakfast at 6 a.m. We've got pajama JT right now. You're going to the meditation in, Essentially. in pajamas? I mean... Like her... lounge pants and stuff? Yeah. To sit in, like, comfy clothes? Yes. Okay. We have to ask the question that we ask almost all the time when having a scene. see someone I know here? Yes. Is there anybody that JT knows at the meditation gardens or possibly, like, along the way to there? Okay. So... How likely do you think that it is this early in the morning that there's someone JT knows? It's this early in the morning, but you're just passing through halls and then the gardens. And we have established there's at least some people that you know that travel through hallways. And, like, Kralani meditates in that garden, too. 
Yes. So, 50-50? Or unlikely? I think it's unlikely just because there's fewer people around in general. Okay. So, unlikely. Chaos factor, 5. Roll a 45. That is a no. Okay. I assume Ursa is there first still, but JT's there on time. Unless Ursa's like, she's so busy, like, she just gets there at the same time. Ursa... It doesn't super matter, but... Yeah, I feel like this is early enough in the day that Ursa would be on time. Like, she was slightly late for your lunch, but that was kind of like a last-minute appointment thing, and there was already time in the day for her to, like, get behind schedule, whereas this is the start of her day. So she shows up. Uh, She is not in the formal robe-type outfit that you have seen her wear. She is in more loose-fitting clothing. She greets you. Jai, Tessa. Ursa, how are you doing? So nice in the morning. The, like kind of dim lights out. I have not been here this early before. Have you been to the gardens before then? I think JT's been to the gardens here. No. Uh, not these gardens. Not, not unless like you happened to go there sometime like during like the preparations I, for the chase and stuff. I don't necessarily think so. No. But yeah, you weren't you weren't investigating your yeah, medical so, robot. No. I think she. No, I don't think I have actually. So I really should. It's good to get planet side sometimes. All right. Good to see the plant life. She is going to ask you about your meditation practice. Like you guys are gonna like walk through like the mazes. No, oh, she loves the little, walk and talk. A little bit, like to get to a, a spot that she likes to meditate yeah. at. So yes, she's asking you about your meditation practice. This is a curiosity thing, like how how are our practices yeah. compatible with each with each other? So. Find I'm sorry, I didn't mean to like slap you right in the face with a deception no, check, no, no. but you have to decide how to describe your practice. Right. It doesn't have to be deceptive. Okay. No, I think JT, I mean it's going to be deceptive, but JT will describe it as... Uh, so I've known a few really cool artists in my time. And they all do different interesting work, and I find the ways that capture that work to be really interesting. So I try to focus on what were they trying to capture. I don't know if you know, I've spent a lot of time like living on desert worlds, uh, so there's you can only stare at so much sand, so looking at something else is so neat. Uh, so I don't know if you knew Jeppo Jr., excellent artist. He did an interesting piece in the style of a super old artist. Okay. I forget what it was. What did he... He just drew... Was it a portrait of Valisa for the memorial? Or was it like of the ship that was? No, I think it was in her style. It may have been like a recreation of one of her works. Okay. It, it, I don't think it was a portrait of her. Okay. But it, it might have been, like, the nebula-type scene okay, I like in her that. style. Like, because that ship was Super stuck old. in some stellar phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. So I think JT will, right now, she'll just talk about that. Like, that helps me focus. I spend a lot of time working on ships, but it puts it into larger space. Okay. So this natural setting is a little unfamiliar to me, but that's why it's fun to try out. Um, <laughs> a natural setting not full of sand. Yes. Okay, um, so you can make your deception roll. Her vigilance is a red and two purples. And then we're going to roll on the mythic table to see if she has ever heard of either of those two artists. Okay. We are starting a play session session fresh. So there are two story points on the player side and one on the GM side. That's just, you know, I have two cunning. Oh, wow. I keep forgetting that you're not... This is, you know, recovering JT. After a well, resource I mean, you can use a story point. I think if I'm, you gonna, want. I'm going to use a story point right now. Because this kind of sets a mood. 
It does. And like, that's if, another die. If we're handling this as social combat, like in terms of having some sort of counter for getting to your goal, then this is the, the first. Yes. I think we'll do this and then we'll, we'll see where we go. Okay. Total wash. So JT is not being honest. And, I think... Or maybe she's trying to sound... I think there's some things that, that don't jive in what you said. Right. JT presents a rather confusing picture. I mean, she does that. She's said that she used to be a Starship engineer, and now she's an event planner for a galactic charity. And now you're saying, like, oh, I spent all this time on desert planets. Like, where does that fit in with everything else you've told me? Well, it just sounds like a disconnected story. Yeah. Because it is. And, and also, based on, like, the last scene that Ursa was in, Ursa feels that JT sometimes tells people what she thinks they want to hear also true. to get them to like her more. So yeah. now, I think, you don't have any despairs there, but Ursa is wondering no if, Just... if you actually do meditate. And I'd like to ask the Mythic Table whether she has heard of either of these two artists, because if she has, then that will affect like how she right. replies. So, Alyssa was known as an artist, but she's an obscure historical person. She is an obscure historical person. And Jeppo Jr. is probably still relatively a very obscure Jeppo Jr. Is, is an artist. He he does have some fabulous works. He's Corellia-based, and they spent at least a little bit of time on Corellia recently. That's true. With highfalutin society, so that's... So, it's it's possible. Unlikely? Very unlikely? Let's go with very unlikely. Okay. Very unlikely. Chaos Factor 5. 68. That's a no. Not heard of these fanciful notions. So, I think... What Val, uh, not Valissa. Little Valissa appears on your shoulder. JT. <laughs> that's, that's the little Eliza. <laughs> that's true. I think Ursa is going to take the lead here. Then, like, Ursa assumes you don't actually meditate. Showed up. But you're trying to, like, you're yeah. trying to spend more time with her for some reason, you know? Like, you guys shared some moments yesterday, and so she'll take the lead in the meditative practice. Yeah, that's probably good. <laughs> You're not going to be like, oh, let's use my mantra. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, I wanted to make sure to avoid that, so that's perfect. <laughs> so she... And her mantra is, but through, through fear, there is something. Through something, there is something else. And then a change will be broken and the force will set me free. Uh, you think Ursa is a, is a Secretly a Sith Lord? I don't know. Did you want to ask the table? Because that'll, that'll change the scene a little bit. Uh, no, I did not. So Ursa leads you to the labyrinth section of these indoor botanical gardens. This is set up in a, a level of the ship that is high enough to simulate sky. It's two stories tall or whatever, so that they can have trees. and. <laughs> what do you think? Holographic sky in place? Or what's well, the alternative? The alternative is like... Just blue, a high ceiling. Blue, high blue ceilings with like water vapor up there and like carefully chosen light bulbs. No, I think holographic ceilings. Sounds good. So her style of, of meditation is, is the walking the labyrinth. Okay, that's good. JT can walk. That's... <laughs> JT probably. Probably that's difficult for JT to focus since like JT is like, just kind of a wandering. Right. Like staying on so, a path. Yeah. So the labyrinth be difficult lets JT. you clear your mind because there's no, there's no choices to make about like where you go. You are simply moving forward, and the, the walls guide you to where you need to be. Right. And 
Ursa tells you like this this labyrinth here is acceptable. You know, it, it's not as it's not as authentic of an experience as she would have like in her labyrinth back at home. GT will ask her like what makes one more authentic than another. Like, is it the holographic sky panels? <laughs> Those look really cool. Here, let me uh, go dismantle one. <laughs> oh, I also brought my jetpack, by the way. <laughs> and do we want any sort of check from Ursa? This sounds like a... Do you want, like, a charm from her or a leadership from her? Charm or, like, even, like, a knowledge. Like, what to her... Like, this is not quite a scientific question, but a an academic question. Okay. So... I guess this is maybe like knowledge education? Yeah, I think that'd be fine. Alright. What is her difficulty? I mean, it's not... It's a specific topic, but it's one she's clearly studied in. Well, but that, that should give her a blue die. Then. Right. If you're fine with two, I'm fine with two. Yeah, we'll, we'll do two, and she'll take a blue die. And she is going to have five advantages with her success. Wow, okay, so she knows her stuff. Yes. When she said that this is not as authentic an experience, she meant that she can't meditate in this location to the same depth that she would be able to do her style of meditation in the natural setting that belongs with it. She was not saying that there is one true way to meditate and all other ways are inferior. The labyrinth that she has back at home is a coral reef that she would be swimming through. That is... A three-dimensional labyrinth. I need to think it very carefully to word a question then. Is that a Gungan (laughs) meditative method? I think I will ask, like, so she mentioned, like, that's her. GT's just kind of curious of, like, I haven't heard of that underwater style before. Is it from Naboo or? Oh, yes. Is it from an oceanic It's an ancient, yes. Ancient Gungan art. Everybody does their part. It's an ancient Naboo practice, or it's an ancient practice from the planet Naboo, right? Because the oh, Naboo the are the humans who I are see, colonists see. there. So she doesn't say it's a Naboo practice. She says it's from the planet Naboo. Huh. And, you know, obviously when she travels, she makes do with these two-dimensional labyrinths. Okay. But it's not the full sensory experience. You can't feel air around you the same way that you would feel water around you. That is a different experience. And like, and also, when you're walking in air, sound is very different from if you're underwater. So there's the different audio auditory. had an adventure underwater. We never actually went to Moncal. I had thought that there would be yeah. a water adventure there, but you guys didn't have a cause to. Yeah, and she's been in space recently. I can't even think of any swimming JT did other than sitting in a hot, a hot, hot tub? spring at. Blue Spring Lodge. Yep. I think that's the only water GT. I I don't think JT's ever even taken a bath. I mean, oil bath. All the time. (laughs) All the time. And and that's clearly something JT does to relax, actually. Uh, But I think JT, someone who does use a jetpack, can appreciate three dimensions. Ah, okay. And also, like, yes, JT does take oil baths, and that is a different feel. Like, Part of it might be, you know, the water is not... Like, there aren't routinely uh, submerging oneself in water tanks. I mean, back to tanks, perhaps. Okay, so with five advantages here... Uh, does she learn something about JT that she didn't already know? I think she does learn something about you. Just, like, in the context of you relating to what she has said. Yeah. She knows your 
idealistic and trusting. But it is a variety of character flaws. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not necessarily asking you to share a motivation so much okay. as share some of your background. Because you're trying to build rapport with her. Yeah. And I think JT would even say, like, okay, three dimensions. Like, that actually, that makes sense. Yeah, I've done, done some work in space and atmosphere. <laughs> Just yesterday, for example. Yeah, and, like, the water, that feels different. I don't know. Most organics haven't, but have you ever tried an oil bath? Let me just throw her off immediately. <laughs> Once again, Jai Tessa, full of contradictions. Or just non-sequiturs. Her brain is here, there. Uh, no, she has never had an oil bath. Or did you need me to ask the mythic thing? No, I don't think you do. <laughs> I don't think you do. GT's the only organic who does that. Maybe some cyborgs do it, actually. Uh, maybe Lord Vader doesn't. Maybe, maybe Panaka soaks his, uh... Oh, so he's got an iron grip. You know he at least has one of his hands. His right, right hand, at least, is cybernetic. Yeah, I think uh, GT will share that kind of information. Like, and that, that's a really, it's a really calming thing for me. Safe. Oh, getcha. Nice protective barrier. Yeah. yeah. That's also, like, thoughts of hope, I guess. Okay. And she asks about that. Because you were just saying you desert planets, and now you're talking about oil baths. Like, are you are you normally stationed on a on a ship? Or I grew up on a ship. Uh, I went to school on Tatooine. Some obscure planet. Yeah, some obscure. There's no reason they want to go there. Uh, no, I went to Tusk University of Tatooine. There's a chance you would know who Tusk is. Uh, yes, there is a chance you'd know who Tusk is. Would you like to? He's a he's a prominent tech entrepreneur. Was. Was until what, like a year and a half ago or so? Yeah, something like that. Um, but his name but, was but we do like often run into pieces of technology with the Tusk label on it. Yes. Uh, so you think it's fifty fifty? She knows who Tusk is, you think it's more likely? Somewhat likely? Somewhat likely. Four. That's a very yes. She has met Eli Tusk. Ah, okay. I had said somewhat likely because I thought as the chief of staff for the Moth, like, she would have oversight of, of some, like, purchases and things like that. Um, and so... Clearly, Tusk was trying to sell something to them at one point. Yes, and I... It's a big enough deal that he came in personally. Right. And I think I know what it was that he was supplying equipment for. Mm. And so... How do you want to proceed? I don't want to achieve the goals of... Yes, how do you want to proceed? I think first, we should both make discipline checks for the meditation itself. Okay. I think that's, that's relevant to the characters. Do you want to, like, workshop the abbreviated, social. modified social... No, we can have a proper social combat. Okay. But I think having the discipline check... Just I want to know how it sets the tone of... Of, is this a meditative... A is this a meditative place? Like, it's also possible, like, JT gets another vision, who knows? Okay. I think you're going to take a black die in your discipline check. Okay. Because this is not the style of meditation that you that's, normally do. Yeah, and you don't have access to your mantra here. No. How hard do you think this is? Hard? This is a space that is, like, designed to be tranquil. Okay. So, I would say average. Okay. Although, if you want, the evil GM could make your life more difficult. That's up to you. The evil GM will make your life more difficult. So I'm dealing with purple, red, black against my discipline. Which, 
I don't know. You might be more disciplined than she is. Uh, but maybe not maybe. after your experiences. Because I think we established last time that she does not actually have ranks and discipline because she did not come from a military background. That is very possible. You know, it's a spiritual thing. Well, well, well. Ursa DL fails her meditation check with four advantages. Well, I think for her... There's you know, too much talking. There's the recognition that like this is just not the right place. And also, like she's having to talk to JT. Uh, JT succeeds with a triumph. Oh, wow. One success... One triumph, narrowly pulling that out. So JT gets exposed to a, a new soothing experience? I think it actually does work for JT. What Eliza had been teaching her, like, that's clearly, like, alive from Eliza's perspective, like, that was the one right way to meditate. I think trying out another way is actually helpful. And JT's a very, like, antsy, mobile person for her to, like, just sit down, close her eyes, just try to... Ah, whereas this way, it's kind of like having access access to like a fidget thing. Like you're yes. you're able to move. Yes. And that's good. But at the same time, like you can focus in on the meditation because you're not having to like Ursa said. I don't have to focus on like decisions about where or anything myself. Like that. I can focus on those other things. So I think this is very good for JT actually. Okay. There may be whispers of Valisa. Okay. Uh, yes, there is a triumph on that, and so I I believe. We, we may fold in some forcey things. That is completely reasonable. Is there a cost to failure here? Ursa failed with advantages. Yeah, I, maybe she suffers through strain, just okay. off the bat. Okay. Because, like, it's frustrating. Like, you try to get in the zone, and you don't. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Ursa had four advantages. I think she will get some blue dice on the opening salvos. I think that's fair. You know, she can't meditate. All right, business focus. Also, I will say that I think she can't get in the zone here because you bringing up Tusk has actually put her in mind of many of the concerns of her life. I see. Whereas for JT, that like that's a thing that's dealt with. That's in the past. Right. JT, like okay, that's someone we were able to fix. That's okay. So that's that's interesting because that that is a avenue of conversation to lead into the intervention topic from from JT's perspective. Yes. You've brought up the topic of Tusk because of your education, but there is a the light of recognition. I think the first role of this combat is going to be a cool check from Ursa. I think that's fair. Just like with Cho, you just said something that upsets her in some way. Meanwhile, JT's in the zone. And I think JT does, like, close her eyes as she's walking around. Just lets the force guide her. Doesn't run into anything. Is it nice to not have a mantra? Like, you don't have to try to remember, like, the words? It's probably for JT, yes, a little bit. It is nice. You know, I think JT sees, like, yeah, in three dimensions, this would be even better. Have to try this out with a jetpack sometime. And somehow not crash. <laughs> the force. Okay. Her cool is probably going against your vigilance. Yes, that'd be a red and two purples. Ursa is rather cool, though. So she's rolling two yellows and a green. Do you wish to change the pool? No. She's got her blue dice. Oh. Okay. She has success with three advantages. She will recover one of the strains she's suffered. She will also... And she inflicts strain in this because of the nature of social combat. Right, right. So she succeeded, so she causes two strain to you. Okay. 
and a black die to your roll. Um, so I, I see I've upset her with this. No, she ma- she succeeded. Oh, she succeeded. So she maintains her cool. You okay. don't know that she upset realize. her. Yeah. Um, but she, she does say, oh, Tusk, like, he has his hands in many different technological areas. You know, we've... Right. And we've, uh, we've been into... What did she say? Benefited. We've benefited from some of his expertise in, in various establishments on Naboo. Okay. So then she'll ask, you know, like what your degree is in or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, Starship Engineering. Oh, so not... Not event planning? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, that's not the type of technology that, that the moth was acquiring from Tusk, is what she says. Oh, do you mind? I, now, I got into Tusk because of his Starships, but... What do you mind if I ask what he was helping you with? I know these days, especially, he's in a lot of different things. He's well, of course, he converted his company into a variety of charities, which was very noble of him. As early business dealings, you know, there's some controversy about. Yeah, so I think JT's just gonna like ask nicely. So you wish to make a charm check? I think charm, understanding she's super cool. It is red, red, purple. Yeah, well, I got two yellows, two greens over here, lady. So let's see what happens. And you have a black die. And a black die. Uh, but you do knack for it. Oh. Okay. And you're not you're not tapping into anything you know about her from the sound of it. Yeah, I I don't believe Tusk would actually like. Oh, did he have some meditative tools to offer? That doesn't make sense. And I don't really want to bring up the. I don't, how was that? I want to bring up the. Although I was there with the moth. Obviously, yes, I saw those handcuffs. Oh. <laughs> They don't know that I saw, like, the repulsor field. Right. Uh, let's just stick with this for now. Okay. Two success, one advantage. Shots fired. I could just recover a strain. Or you could notice a single important point. Yeah, let's just recover a strain. Okay. So she tells you that, in addition to, to starship types of things, that there's actually a lot of components in, in other industrial systems use tech developed by Tusk, and, and in fact the refineries along Lake Paonga. Oh, and that was exactly the one that was sabotaged, was it not? Yes. The refineries along Lake Paonga use Tusk equipment and... Um... Automated Gungans out of jobs. <laughs> oh, that's not what it is. <laughs> and let's see. I don't just want her to make like cool check after cool check. What's Ursa's goal in this encounter? Ursa needs to start her day grounded, and like the meditative experience is not helping. Okay. Like she didn't make that meditation roll. She. She needs to find something practical to latch onto. I I don't think it's as explicit of I will use you as a sounding board, but okay. like you know if she can work through some of her uncomfortable oh. issues by having this chat with this extremely sunny person. Yes, extremely sunny person, and also like. Sometimes it's good to just talk with a complete stranger who has no... No preconceived... No preconceived notions, but also no stake in the game. You know, like... Exactly. She doesn't know that. Right. So I think she's looking to, like, to, to get some, like, balance, like, centeredness. You know, so she might, like, talk through some, some issues and stuff like that. She's not looking to air state secrets. Don't see what happens. <laughs> So I think she might trend more towards intellect issues. Like, so there isn't like a 
a lecture or like a history lesson right. skill. But it may be that she spends some time talking about historical things on Naboo or leadership type things or, or stuff like that. Like she's not trying to change how you think about anything. So she might end up boring you to tears or she might end up saying stuff that like you don't think is helpful for your mom intervention. So she might talk about issues that matter to her and you might feel you need to push her back okay. onto a topic more useful to you. That sounds fine. But right now she's talking about, I would say maybe five years or so ago is when like they negotiated the contracts with Tusk to put the refineries into place on Lake Palanga. Now, it's not going to cost you anything, but you can, as an incidental, make some sort of education check. Yeah. It's going to be very poor. Daunting. Daunting. Three successes and one threat. I'll take a string for this if you want me to. Yeah, sure. I don't have a other good use for one single strain. Okay. Lake Panga is the primary like access point to Gungan civilization. Right. So it's very important for them that it stay... And clean and probably in their all, control. All these refineries were built along it, and the the, oh. the platforms that were and their oil refineries. The platforms that were sabotaged were oil platforms in Lake Park. Oh well, that's why GT knows. Yeah, you're like, wait, this lake was on the news report yesterday. Well, no, 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 no. it's also like GT's thinking back to like oil she's used at various times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bottled at Lake Vananga. <laughs> Straight from the source. Yes, but that's yeah. The Gungans have an underwater civilization. Right. And and that's one of the main interfaces between them and the above water world. Mm, okay, but she was gonna make a role, right? Yes. So I think it's kind of like an educational, like, or she's like she's talking to you about like the setting up of these refineries and stuff like that, and Tusk coming in to like show them the highly efficient technology he had developed. <laughs> <laughs> Belching out yes. fumes into the air. Now, you no longer have an obsession with Tusk. I don't. So you I don't think she could put that behind. So die. there's nothing related, Tusky related. But you, you, you did describe like some. Hmm, maybe this uh, oil is not the best thing to use. Like, yeah. Do you have any dice you want to throw at this? I think because JT does know what this is and is familiar with oil-based products. I think that will throw a black die because JT's familiar. Like. Ursa might try to frame it in a certain way, but like, but JT already knows. And she saw the TV report. So like, JT has knowledge about it already. So if you try to, if she tried to frame it, like, positively for Naboo, or like for the environment, or to downplay it, like, JT knows, like, no, there's actually a serious problem there. Okay. So I think she's certainly not trying to say that it's great for the environment. Right. But it's, it's all a matter of like, what is she emphasizing? What is she yes. not saying? Right. And so you may re be able to read between the lines yeah. um, better because of your background knowledge. And I think it's an appropriate time to insert clever retort. Okay. That just is two more threats headed your way. All right. And what do we think the difficulty of this is? This is her education. Should it be like versus your education? I think it has to be. If she's doing something, if it's going to cause me strain, right, it right. needs to be opposed by one of my skills. Yeah. So I feel like education is the appropriate one. Yeah, I think that's fine. Which will be a red and two purples. She's got one success. Okay. And she has two threats and she has a triumph. With these two threats, do you wish to learn her a strength or flaw? Or you already know her strength. Spiritualism, her strength? Or that's... Spiritualism is her strength. Yeah. 
Or you could do something else with the threats. I mean, she could take a black die. She could just take strain. Yeah, I mean, you might just want her to take strain. I think having her take strain is the, the best thing. Okay. She has a triumph. Yes. What she is she getting with this? She wants to learn your true goal in this encounter. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I think she she says these things, and she's not being antagonistic at all, but she's just not saying certain things. But she is familiar with that oil. Uh, she's like, wait, Lake Panag oil, Tusk refinery. Like her her brain is like worrying for a second. The Model 37A Tusk refineries. Those things are. They spew gas into the atmosphere. They pollute the water. Terrible. Like the oil you get out. I wouldn't take a bath in that. It's not worth the credits. I wouldn't take a bath in that. <laughs> <laughs> why would the moth approve something like that? Or like, why would Moth Panaka approve that kind of? Like, why would he want to do that? Shouldn't he like be standing for the good of all the people on the booth? Probably JT will say something a little too forward like that. Right, right, right. And Ursa like delivers the company line. Which is that the the moths, you know, are at the service of the emperor, and like everything that they do is to make the empire stronger, right. you know. And the empire's fleets need oil, but it's said with kind of dead eyes. Like it is literally <laughs> just repeating the line. Yeah, you know, she doesn't say what does the good of Mibu have to do with this, but right. what she says is, yeah, the moths are in service to the emperor, and uh, the empire's fleets need the oil. And, okay. you know, how wonderful it is that Naboo has, so has resources to contribute resources. to the Imperial good. <laughs> i got to find a right way to think about this. Okay. So you have indicated a little bit, but in what you say regarding your own role, you will need to leak out more information about yes. your goal. So what she has said is she's avoided laying any right. blame on the moth. Mm. Tempted to, like, almost, like, this is upset, JT that triumph like take a almost coercive route of like like does, does did the moth actually approve this does he not know like, oh like ursa could have approved things like that and not gotten them to the moth's table like yeah he's moth of a planet sector and he, it's, 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 a se- <laughs> it's a sector that boos the capital of it right right he's a moth like those people are his responsibility he needs to be taking care of them He's not fulfilling his function? Is that what you're saying? kind of feel like that's almost what he's saying. Like you could say his authority is bestowed by the Emperor, but his charge is to... Like something has been delegated to him and he's responsible for... Yeah, he's responsible executing for... Executing it. For faithfully executing that. If he's got to get resources, great. But if he's destroying... If he's hurting his own people in the process, what's... Yeah, Gigi's not much of a political fighter. That's but... true. She's not a rebel. She has not taken a stand. No. Like, she's generally not a fan of the Empire, but it's more like, I just want to stay away from that. You hang out on the Outer Rims? Yep. Uh, you know, it's part of previous war. Don't really want to go into that. But it is a rare JT coercive moment of, like, why Why would the Moth let this happened like like surely he knew there right? were like there were other choices that wouldn't have been as bad that could have still served the same goal i think yes and i think because jt has knowledge of tusk and oh oil. right like you can be like well what about like some other companies of refineries like why was it these crappy tusk ones yeah or even like why that particular blend or like they're particularly like not even five years ago there was better ways to extract this like that might be the cheapest way but it's cheaper in the short term but the long term 
vis them off, doesn't he have like the longer term view? Isn't exactly what he needs? Um, Sorry, Urs is not laughing at you. Jennifer's laughing at the idea that the Empire has any sort of long term view. Yeah, the Emperor wants to stay around as long as possible. Yes, he personally wants to stay around as long as possible. He will destroy everything to achieve that. Yep, including himself, apparently. <laughs> uh, so I think this is coercion because JT is just arguing. Yeah. Uh, with her. And and you're like questioning the the quality of decisions that were made by, if not by Ursa, then by her. Yes. So this is against her discipline. Three purples. Do you feel I'm? Like, that she's actually sympathetic to, like, this, not the decision that should be made, or... I need to stop accidentally looking at Kurlani. I'm affronting her in some way. You are getting three blue dice. Oh, okay. You do not know why. That's fine. <laughs> Did you want to use one of these story points? Yeah, actually. Because it's like, when your chance of success is high already, that's just more, more strain on the pile. Four successes and a triumph. JT does not uh, pull out the tongue lashing very often, but what she does, she goes for the throat. <laughs> slap! <laughs> Look, I slapped Ren's dad. You did slap Ren's dad. It is true. Yes, I was trying to think of like a time when JT got pushed too far, and that's right. You did kind of scathing tirade at Ren's dad. Yeah. Sometimes she gets set off. Um, yeah, so like JT goes on a little bit of invective and realizes, like, oh, we're in a different place than the labyrinth. And I'm probably like not even letting Nurse get a word in edgewise for a little bit. I was like, like, couldn't you have done something? Like, couldn't anyone have done something about that? Was no one in a position to do something? And what are you going to do with your triumph there? Like, do you want to learn her? Like, what gave you those two extra blue dice? I think I'd like her to take an upgrade of difficulty. Yes. This is not a side of JT she's seen before. JT's been a generally like sunny, sometimes unhelpful person, but. She's never seen JT be this forceful personality. This is a well. Nice... Let's not say forceful. I, I mean, want, it is. But... I didn't want to say pushy. No, no, like... no. Forceful is the right term. Just yeah, like, yeah. oh, I don't want to. Lowercase f. Lowercase f. Yes, please. It's assertive. JT. You have seemed naive and distractible and like tunnel visioned. So I think it very much throws her off guard. Okay. Question is, are her feathers sufficiently ruffled that she responds heatedly, or does she? Uh, I think I want to ask the table. Okay. That's a good question to ask. Because there's two ways to play it, right? Like, she responds in a heated fashion, or she puts on the cloak of cool chillness. This is your speaking out of turn. Right. Do you think it's 50-50? Because she has certain sympathies, but she's surprised, or...? The question is, does she respond heatedly? And I think it's more than 50-50. What are my... Yep, somewhat likely. Likely. Very likely. Even more. I would like it to be likely that likely. she responds heatedly. Just so you're aware, this will be a 75% chance. Well, she's past half of her strain, and you did say something that conjured up three blue dice. Yes. 71, which is a yes. She responds heatedly. Okay. She's got a smidgen of coercion herself. So, she is going to respond back, essentially like... You don't know what you're talking about. But she has kind of like lost her cool a little bit. Yes. That the number of, of refineries and their location was the compromise point that she was able to like get to. How dare you presume to think that no one tried? Okay. I, I like the, the framing of this. That she feels personally attacked. Yes. So I think it's coercion back at you. Okay. Uh, 
Uh, that's a base of two reds and a purple, but she got that upgrade because... Oh, so it's three reds. Three reds. Are you going to spend a story point to make it four bad dice? That is so tempting. I'm going to spend a story point to give her a second yellow die. All right, then yes, I will definitely spend one to add a purple die. One advantage and two failures. So she oh, takes two strain, but she can regain one, so she'll suffer one strain. Okay. So she fails, but you have... Clearly we ruffled some... You've ruffled some feathers, and also you've gained the information. Yes. Coercion washes over JT. <laughs> JT's like, I get this from my friends all the time. <laughs> Please. When Kashi yells at me, she's got a knife. <laughs> the least some, dangerous of her sometimes weapons. Sometimes, too. <laughs> yes. I think JT dials it back a little bit. She's like, whoa, whoa, I wasn't attacking you. Uh, I wasn't attacking I wasn't saying anything about you. I just don't, don't see how the moth could do something like that. How, how do you get to a point in your life... When you think that's like, when like that's the acceptable compromise, like from the from the Moth Fanaka's perspective, like is he always like this. I mean, you said he was trying to. You were hoping this cruise would help clear his head. Is there any way we can help clear his head more? Ah, okay, right, right, right. That and that gets at your goal. Yes, that gets at my goal. I want this to be a negotiate. Like, help me, help you. Well, almost also like you've been super helpful. Like you got Moth Fanaka to read to come to the gala. How can I? Like, help you out with that, then. Okay. Like, I want him to have a good time at the gala. I think you want him to have a good time at the gala. Okay. So I'm open to that. What is my situation? For negotiation, you are up against a red and two purples. Any other dice part of this? You are getting two blue dice. Okay. I have five successes and two threats. Do I wipe her out? You have taken her to 15 of 13. So... Insurmountable JT. You, you have... may have bested me before, when I had to lie a lot. <laughs> but now that I can be nice and helpful. And sometimes not so nice. So essentially you have put something on the table. Yes. Of change the moth. I think so. Which is something she has been working to do for years. Which she has not had. Um, but right now setting. she has like a fresh sounding board. Someone who she feels there are perhaps no repercussions for talking to. Whereas she couldn't really discuss this with anybody on her staff. Right, because then it would get back to him and get back to her. Right. Be a bad time all around. So you have achieved buy-in from Ursa Dial. So at this point, we can stop with the social combat and yes. we can we have can have some discussion. conversation about her relationship with the moth and, and things like that. I think that'd be good. We may still need to pull in the mythic table to, yep. to help define stuff. But I think that's fine. I think also, like, this is... Maybe this is the point where, like, the narrative, like, moves from the meditation area to a... To a Java Java? Uh, JT definitely gets a milkshake. <laughs> Early morning morning milkshake. Is iced it, coffee. Is it a flat-out milkshake, or is it actually, like, a breakfast shake of some sort? I guess it probably is a breakfast shake. There, some there's some protein in it? There is some protein in it. It's protein in it. Yeah, so this, uh, this meditation, clearly not uh, calming or sit down... But the conversation, the conversation with you uh, will, will hopefully help her. Because there's some hope. Yes. So uh, you guys go to acquire food. Yeah, she has a some sort of vegetarian breakfast salad thing. Yeah, I don't 
I don't picture JT as being the kind of person who has like a giant plate of waffles. Maybe the kind of person who has like a bowl of cereal. I was gonna say, I had thought of JT as a person who probably like skipped breakfast often. Yes, that is probably. Or like true. maybe like ate like a granola bar like while she's working in the uh, you know engine what? room. I'm still trying like some granola yogurt thing that Kirlani recommended. <laughs> yeah, it's like a parfait thing. So this during the course of this conversation, JT's silliness is involved in examining her food and uh, yes. Uh, that's 100% correct. Do you have some specific questions you want to ask? I think JT might start with like, well, I mean, at least when I talked with them off, to the extent that I talked with him and not him at me, he seemed a bit, you know, forceful and easily upset. Like that, he's been a Naboo citizen his whole life, right? Has he always been this way, or like did he serve in the Clone Wars, and that's affected him like because that's what's relevant right like to jt that she knows is the most most relevant thing okay ursa will tell you that panaka has like a long history of service to naboo in one form or another right uh, that he was captain of the queen's guards and a much earlier point in time you you ask that question and she says barely you just have like a nominal monarch i mean i guess that makes sense the queens of naboo have been very much stripped of their power since the rise of the empire. Oh, okay. She doesn't say it as explicitly as I just right, said right. right there. Like that they serve an important ceremonial role. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll dress her words up <laughs> a I little think that's, bit, that's but fine. like in terms of communicating to you to you the things that are important here. Yes, the queens of Naboo still technically exist, and as ridiculous as it is that elected thirteen-year-old monarchs were making decisions, they did have power back in Amidala's time. But now they are simply showpieces. Right. Yeah, that's probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> so he had a long history of service to Naboo, and that includes excessive loyalty to Naboo's most significant scion. Oh, the Emperor. <laughs> What's his name? Sheev? I believe his name is Emperor. <laughs> Emperor Palpatine. You don't get to go on a first-name basis with him. So I have a number of ideas of what's going on here, and okay. my question to you is, do you wish to throttle how much information you get here? Do you want, like, Ursa just to lay all her cards out on the table, or do you feel like you need to earn pieces of information? No, I, I feel like we played this World of Combat. It wasn't a compromise. You got She got wiped out. She got wiped out. Did you even get scratched? I mean, I have five out of 15. Okay. I mean, because I've had two threats in the end. JD, she's a heavy hitter in the social combat realm, so... I think as much as you, the player, are comfortable revealing at this time in the narrative... Okay. And I think, as you said, like, Ursa feels like JT's a trusting person, because she's... JT's not just... is not a threat, simply. But has shown herself to be at least mildly resourceful. Yes. The only thing is, is there any danger of JT blabbing? From Ursa's perspective. Right. JT is a friendly, trusting person... Hopefully she won't trust the wrong people with this information. Ursa doesn't believe that JT has access to people. Rebel operatives. Well, she's not even thinking in terms of... Right. Like, you are not oh, connected... Oh, people getting it back to her. To getting back to the moth. Right, right, Or to her underlings who are ambitious or climbers. Is it a matter of, like, Ursa thinks she's like, I'm going to take a calculated risk. I've been trying for a oh. long time to change him. Yes. She will take that risk. Okay. That feeds into one of we, her... We rolled... I'll tell you now. We rolled her flaws recklessness. 
Ah. And and when I saw that, I was like, what does that mean? Like, how am I going to do that? But you're right. This is a risk. It's time to take it. Yeah. Whatever she's been doing hasn't been working. Yeah. This is a new X Factor. And since you are this having... This is how I go down. This is how I go down. Since you're having this long conversation with her, I will tell you that what you hit upon that got you all the giant pile of blue dice for desire is vengeance. Vengeance. Interesting. For the Gungans. Right. She hides it well. Not just, like, the Gungans. It's, like, the natural realm of Naboo. Right. Right? Like, the planet is being destroyed. Its native inhabitants, the indigenous Nabooites, are being run into the ground. You know, she's a descendant from the colonists. She's lived on Naboo. Her family's lived on Naboo all this time. That's her home, and that's what she identifies with. And she has spent a large part of her career trying to dial things back and, like, make Naboo... Trying to pr- protect. Yes. Trying to, like, restore Naboo. Naboo was like... There's this, this quote. I think it's from the Princess Leia book. Naboo was like the sign of all that was great about the old Republic. I'm not going to say I agree with that. But no. but maybe... It was an idyllic but place. But, like, yes, it Even, was. Even, you know, the, the colonists and the Gungans got along. I mean, they had a history of warfare, too. Right. But they had reached, particularly during Amidala's reign... Shortly after Amidala's reign, saw an actual Gungan in the the Senate. Although it was later regarded as a, <laughs> a bad move. But the human and Gungan population had had finally achieved some sort of, uh, more than a detente. Right. Um, some sort of alliance at that point, right? Like the Gungans fought to repel the Trade Federation. So Ursa grew up in a time when growing up on the shores of Lake Ponga, she had like Gungan childhood friends. And a lot of their families lost people in that war. I think GT takes that like that. Like Ursa's like searing her backstory, probably maybe more well, than she well, needs. I I am telling you some of this Clone War era Fair. type stuff because that's like JT's connection. JT is a war orphan from the Clone Wars. And I think JT would respond. Even though you were on the other side. <laughs> well, yeah. Like Clone Wars is a terrible time. A terrible time all around. I was originally from Christophsis, of course. But I grew up on a separatist droid ship. And you know what? A lot of. That was a rare time when droids were, at least on the separatist cause, like, well regarded, although. <laughs> As cannon fodder? <laughs> I mean, they. General Grievous. Well regarded, but not treated fairly. <laughs> right. Right. They didn't have the level of suspicion. Yes. Part of the reason that droids are so saddled with restraining bolts in this time period yes. is to, like, never again. But it's like. You have two, two armies of war slaves being thrown against each other. That's true. Because JT does have clone... There is a small group of clones who live in Numeen. Yes. Like, you have met them. You know them as people. And now they more or less get along with they JT's play, family. They play poker with... Uh, they lose to Cousin Bloop. Everybody loses to Cousin Bloop. It's too cool. So I think, like, JT shares like a little bit about, like... She was actually raised by a squad of droids. And so... You know, that's where she first got introduced to an oil bath and its wonderful properties. Particularly when you live in a really dry climate. It does a lot for protecting the moisture in your body. But that's, that's a distraction. <laughs> uh, JT wanted to share, make right. sure she feels, she, she gets it. Yeah. So Ursa has attempted and succeeded, like to some extent, at, at being a moderating influence and cushioning the natural world of Naboo from the excesses of the Empire trying to squeeze every bit of... Right. Um, and, okay, here's something else I will, I will add. Panaka used to be more sympathetic 
Nebu's moon also was like being totally strip mined. Is that inhabited or? It as it inhabited in a like luxury resort kind of way, oh, okay. but also with strip mining. Rich Nabu had villas on it and things like that. And the mines there were were the typical imperial situation of Wookiee slave labor? Not, not Wookiee not Wookie slave labor. These were, you know, Naboo residents who were working in them, but the conditions were really bad. And Princess Leia came on a diplomatic relief mission type thing to tour the mines with the queen. And they had a bunch of equipment to, like, give to the to miners, like, to improve the air quality and things right. like that. And they met with Panaka, to, you know, to, like, work out, like, this sharing between Alderaan and Naboo. And Ursa was, like, drawing up all the paperwork and everything like that. Like, they had the, the, the business meeting-y type things, and then Ursa took all the notes and everything and left. And then the Moff's manor exploded. Ah, I could see how that would uh, change one's demeanor. So, unfortunately, a lot of the serving staff died in that explosion. The queen and the princess and the moth were all seriously injured. The, the visitors were evacuated back to their, their home right. planet. Panaka was, like, on life support and initially presumed dead. You've, you've seen the scarring that resulted from that. I think I personally uh, felt a strong handshake. And unfortunately, it's, it was not just his skin and bones that were damaged in that explosion. He, he suffered a certain amount of, of brain damage. And Ursa's opinion is that, that he had a major personality shift after that point. And, you know, he certainly, he suffered a variety of memory loss. Like, he didn't remember anything of, like, that meeting. And, like, she wasn't able to push through the, the, the mining reforms. I see. Not that that was, like, the most tragic outcome of it, but, like, from that point on, it became much harder for her to, like, do anything. He became far more prone to fits of rage. Prior to then, he was already, like, he supported the... Did he breathe in any green crystals at any point? <laughs> Just curious. He had been, like, a supporter of, of the Emperor, but since then, he, he, he became almost more obsessively so. It didn't seem like there was anything moderating it after that point. She doesn't want to just blame neurochemistry, but it's it's like... Well, it's also a traumatic experience. You know, it's like the thalamus was broken or something. Like, something that used to, to keep him in check is gone now. Yes, somebody tried to assassinate him. Rebel murderers blew up his manor. Did they ever find? They probably found someone. The group that, that claimed responsibility for it uh, was later in a separate movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> blown to pieces. Sagarera's group. Oh, the radical rebels. Yeah, here's my exposition dump. Okay. The I read the Princess Leia book after we started playing, and here I will attempt to recon. No, I think you did a very good job. All right. So he's already had one traumatic experience that changed his. his he is a representative of like the proper law, and rebel assassins tried to kill him. Right. That's a problem. I hear you. But he's not a naval officer, right? A naval officer? No, he's a moth. Like, right. But, like, an Imperial naval officer would be charged with fighting the rebels. Uh. Like, Gigi knows he's not a naval officer. Right, he, he, he doesn't have, like, a ship. Dargan, Dargan has a fleet. Who's Dargan? That's the other, <laughs> that's the other <laughs> Every time. Every time, JC. Yes, and Ursa is not telling you this. 
probably at some separate point in time, Cho will tell you. Right. Like Ursa glassed Frost with her fleet of star destroyers. Dargan glassed Frost. Dargan, yeah, sorry. Dargan. Wait, Ursa actually is a Sith Lord? <laughs> She's trying to overthrow the Emperor, take it for herself? Circle back around. <laughs> knew it. Knew it. Yeah, so Dargan has like an impressive fleet, but Dargan is the moth of the Krillian sector, oh. which is... There's a giant shipyard there. Those are core worlds. So, Panaka is also Moff of a sector, but it's mid-rim at best. He has some ships, and he has some officers under him. Okay. But he, okay. he's certainly not flying around as an admiral. He is not actively seeking out and hunting down rebels, but that was a very... No, it sounds like he's planning to actively seek out and hunt something else. But that is a personal assault. Right. And, okay, let's ask the mythic table. Does Panaka think Gungans were in league? I feel like this is at least likely. I feel like given that we were kind of making... It was aiming towards, like, Gungan persecution. Yeah. I agree. Or at least that's how he's framing it now. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just pissed. Four, which is extremely yes. Okay. Gungans are legally... Like, it's even, like, to the extent, perhaps, like, Gungans are conspiring... It, it may be that... Against him, against Naboo, against the Emperor. Something has recently come to light... Yeah. That has made him leap to this conclusion. Perhaps. Such that the persecution of Gungans is now, like, cranking it up. After the meeting with Dargan, like, it became even more clear to Ursa that Panaka was going to head down a path of potentially... That could mm. that could end in Gungan extermination. Yeah, it's um, a dark place. And that's why this, like, diversion. She wanted it to take a while for them to get back to Naboo so that she could attempt to, like... It's it's not just like relax on a deck chair for a while and chill right. out. It's like she needs time to come up with a plan. Right. Well, okay. So not everything is about the gala. <laughs> the theme of the gala is under the sea. Ooh. We have a ghost of a gungan up here. Jacob who's a Marley. Jacob who's a Marley. <laughs> Maybe it would be helpful for him to have... He needs to have another formative experience, but in a different way. Like some sort of positive Gungan experience? Not doesn't necessarily have to be Gungan, but I haven't run into any Gungans on this ship. Maybe you have. Uh, she has probably not. We can ask the table. Uh, if you want, I'd be fine saying no, given their oppressed status and... Yeah, I, I, I don't think she has, but there yeah. could be Gungans on the ship. Yeah, there, there could be. So it sounds like he needs some he might not even be aware of what he's what he is doing because he is dumb off. And so for anyone to countermand him. Oh, you're suggesting that she has been too careful and has not been forthright well, I mean, in you've been, her challenges to him? Eh, let's just find the right way to frame this. You've been doing everything you can. So what is something that you can't do that someone else can? Well, you know, she's an underling, like she's not a fellow moth. And even if she were, like, the moths, they vie with each other for the favoritism yeah, of the they're, emperor. They're it's not like there's a grand brotherhood of moths all helping each other out. Now Jesus getting that fiendish idea. So, if, like, if the emperor told him to, like, knock it off, those Gungans are important imperials. Oh my goodness, if the emperor did that, Panaka would drop it, like, yesterday's I don't have a good expression for how quickly you drop something, but, like, loyalty the emperor is is Panaka's jam, as it were. She takes a bite of toast. 
stirring around all this oatmeal and this yogurt. Like you, you like took this is it's like, a soggy mess. One of the first times I ever had a yogurt parfait, and I determined I don't actually like yogurt, and so it was just like I put more and more things into it, trying to like if I dilute the yogurt. But no, it didn't help. And I feel like that's kind of what JT is doing. Like, what if I dumped some of this like sugar packet in? No, nope. it's a milkshake. No, and it's got like a disgusting. Well, this is perfect. Now I can drink this. <laughs> At least it'll go down faster. Yeah. That's what Kirlani's saying. It's a power shake. So what is your... Oh, now you're like getting this idea that you're going to make a fake emperor shop. That's going to be your ghost? No. No, no, no. It shouldn't be... Vader? No, 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 no. Like, the emperor is like... When people say the emperor, they're referring to like almost a symbol, a seat. Like, you want... Like I'm not going to think of like Palpatine. Maybe back when he was a senator. As you said, like that was the idyllic time. Oh, like Palpatine wouldn't have wanted this or Palpatine something? wouldn't have wanted this. Just finding a way to remind him of that would be good. Okay. Because, you know, I'm sure the Emperor would love to tell him, but he's just way too busy with too many other things. <laughs> you know, he's got a whole galaxy to worry about. That's why he's delegated things to the Moths. Yeah. So we just need to help Panaka remember something like that. You know, there was a time when Gungans and Naboo worked together... Yeah, wasn't that when your planet was invaded, though? Maybe that's not the best. <laughs> yeah, when I think about my home planet getting invaded, not a happy thought. But uh, I don't know what you're comfortable with as far as how we All right, remind so like, him of this. Like, kind of at that point, like, Ursa's talking out loud, like, what am I going to do? Like, pull up old records of Palpatine's voting records in, like, the Naboo Senate? And, like, don't think it, a piece of paper or an essay is quite going to get there. It's like, how do I establish the... Like, he needs to have an experience. It's absolutely terrible, but, like, someone trying to assassinate you is a very well, traumatic experience. She agrees with that assessment. So he just needs to have a very positive experience. The opposite of traumatic? Yes. Inspiring experience? An he needs an inspiring experience. Okay. That Maybe somehow ties to... informed by the former Senator Palpatine, what he would want for the people of Naboo. And, like, JT is thinking, like, man, I had that video created, but, like, I don't think a video is going to cut it. A montage. I think full-on force vision. Oh, interesting. That's going to require... A combination of... That's going to require JT consult some other experts. Yes. Oh, there is... There is possibilities. Such force visions are most likely to occur at Virgences. Are we happening to head towards a Virgence? Well, there is the possibility that the ship was going to end up not where it was supposed to be. Ah. Because of mutinous actions. Yes. That because of mutinous actions, its course could get diverted, and potential result of things can knock it out of hyperspace where like nobody intended it to be. Right. That's not something JT can plan for. No. But also JT doesn't really know terribly much about virgences, other than like what she personally experienced on Gasserol. Yeah, a lot of bad mojo. But that was also a dark side virgence. I, I, I'm throwing these things out there because if JT is going to attempt to like commune with Valissa, that's where you would gain knowledge about virgences and options related to them. JT doesn't have a spell of gain conscience. JT can only... Slightly alter. Yes, yeah. and, and push things in the right direction, but... Um, Cannot project a vision into someone's head. Right. But it it okay. is possible that... Naboo is a very strange world. It doesn't have a molten core. 
It's got like water and some sort of plasma-y stuff running all the way through it. If you read its Wikipedia entry. That's messed up. Oh, so you can take water all the way through the core? Yes. Okay. So the water pressure be insane? <laughs> I believe the Wikipedia entry says it's like an uh, astrophysical Astrophysical oddity. Yeah. But, but my point is... Two PSI from anywhere. It's possible Naboo has light side virgences. You know, like... Okay. In terms of, like, delaying, like... The intervention could be... Right. Back on Naboo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just throwing a bunch of ideas out there. Okay, um, no, because, that could work. Because, like, the idea of a force-based experience requires more than GT is capable of at this at yes. this point. Yes, I think that is an accurate statement. You know, once you finish 20 more threads, you know, maybe you'll have <laughs> enough XP to be... Uh... Maybe, maybe. I think that's a reasonable thing, particularly as, like, the moth. There was implications that it was a hunting Gungan Force users. That's a good excuse to, like, lead him Ooh, to a place. Like, down the tunnels and then spring it on him. Yeah, but there are certain things about this that JT can't reveal. Right. Agreed. Yeah, so he needs to have a powerful experience. But I don't I don't know that that's possible on a ship like this. But there can be, like, actions and discussions taken over the course of the ship yes, guide to yeah. lead to such a thing. Yeah. So it might be, like, where the scene ends in the discussion. They agree to, look over the remainder of this, like, carry on. And they might even come to, like, yeah, I don't know if there's anything on the ship that makes sense. Like, the gal is nice, but that's not... I don't think he's going to get the gala. He's going to be there in a functionary role. Right, but but you can be laying seeds. Yeah. Like, all right, well, is there anything back on Naboo? Like, I'm not actually busy after this. <laughs> like, the point is to get money so we can get funds to run the charity. So right. So it self-runs. All right. I think that is that is a good place to end the scene. Bam. You have buy-in. You have some new ideas that you didn't have before. That's right. We have not finished any threads. No, because uh, we did not make a thread of getting nurse a deal on board, or maybe you want to make that a thread and say, we completed it. <laughs> Do you need five more XP? I don't. I don't think a single scene goal should count as a thread. Okay, I think that's fine. But I do think we do need to add a thread of... Moth intervention? Moth intervention is already a thread. Okay. But JT needs a force research-related yeah. thread. How do like you project need... force vision... You need to, to learn how to create a situation to trigger a force vision. All right. How to create a force vision. Now, your options for how to get that information include research of a illicit topic. Yeah. Talking with your own Jedi mentor. Attempting to talk to a long-dead Jedi mentor. Yeah, that one sounds better. Or other phone-a-friend, force-sensitive people you know. That's true. Like, to, like, compare loves of, research. Like, notes about, like, all right, well, what causes your force visions? Uh, what about you? When do you have force visions? Now, I don't know if you want to be dragging in other DRS staples. Like, in a montage-like sequence, that's probably okay. I think it would make sense for her to, like, call Cal. Because, like, Cal has way more visions. Uh, right, Cal has visions. GT gets vague whispers, typically. So I think that would make sense. My mind, I'm thinking, like, is she comfortable using the comm to just do that? Yeah, I don't know. I think she'd want to do, like, some computers, like, to make sure... Cal would probably have a secure line set up. Oh, like, whatever hacker dark net, like, he and, and she communicate over? Yeah. JT dark force net. Yeah. Uh, you know, JT can computers. Okay. We can give you, like, the type of information that Cal has about what sorts of yeah. things that he does that triggers visions... She might talk to Eliza. 
But Eliza would probably tell her, like, that's not what you should be. I think Eliza would tell you that this is, like, way outside your level of capability. That's why I'm talking to you. (laughs) Could you meet me on Naboo? You're not even night level. Look, (laughs) let's take the concept of ranks and throw them out the window because you don't have a temple with windows anymore. (laughs) You, GT, personally experienced some level of visions on Gesserol. Yes. I think that's the only place other than here. Yeah, she is meditated in, like, the Valisa meditation room. As far as other Force users you know, Vrake had some Jedi training, and Vrake... It's true. By the end of the Desert Rose campaign, Vrake had accepted that he needed to... He needed to accept that he was Force-sensitive, and he needed to not run from it. That he wasn't going to be a Jedi, that he had no interest in resurrecting that. I would say JT does not know anything at all about Force visions that Ren ever had, because at the time you guys were on Gesserol, Ren was still hard of hearing and was not having Force visions to the same extent that Cal and JT did. Right. And the other Force visions that Ren had canonically, JT was not on Saragar when he had his empathic opening when he got his crystal to work. And I don't know that Renzi would have said anything about... uh, It's possible Renzi might have said something about what Ren experienced in that temple, like, because GT was recovering from stuff, but but that's, like, entirely up to you. I think it's also a matter of, like, JT knows, like, Ren went through some really nasty stuff, and talking to Renzi, it sounds like he's starting to recover. You don't want to... I don't want to put that on him. Other Force Sensitivity-type people? Eloi... She knows about Force Visions, but she doesn't, like, seem to cultivate them or, right. or talk about them themselves. Uh, I think I have a good enough information on, like, Cal and Vrig. Should I should talk to Eliza anyway. And Val uh, is... Uh... So, those, yeah. these are your options and what you choose yeah, to pursue. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you. like, Cal, Vrig, Eliza, Valis is more than enough. I don't feel a need to bring in even more tertiary characters every uh, Force-sensitive person GT has. Okay, but... Scene cleanup. So, the thread, JT needs to... Um, trigger force vision research. Learn how to trigger a force vision. I'm going to say, that's a JT thread. Yeah, I think that's good. Cho, I need help with... Wait. Uh, never mind. Yeah. If you tell Cho you need help with force, he'll be like, alright, what do you need me to push? No, I can do that. Don't worry. <laughs> that's, that's taken care of. I don't think we have closed any threads. No. We have not changed the NPC lineup as no new people were produced. Correct. Do you feel, as I do, that the chaos level has gone down? I do. Uh, a certain level, like the scale of things have increased, but JT like, succeeded her goal. You increased the scale of things by deciding to do a moth intervention. Look, Bellissa said, you're the one who can do this. Bellissa has faked in you. JT did some dark things. Part of recovery is atonement. So, yes, JT has no connection to this mob. No connection to that boo, but she did a lot of selfish things. So, this is about as far away from. Oh, right. This is not helping yourself in any way. No, not. Like Tusk, it was like he wronged your family. Yes. I mean, this is good generally. Yes, but you don't have a personal stake in it. No. And that makes it more noble, essentially. This might be your trials. There's trials? What? <laughs> Eliza, there's no Jedi Temple anymore. I told you. Stop trying to start a new Jedi Temple. Okay? 
go hang out with Skywalker if that's what you want, which is not what she wants. Right. She's hiding from everything except you. Well, because I was insistent. <laughs> okay. The next scene that we're going to play is going to be a Cho scene. Yes. But how do you want to deal with this force research? Do you want to fold that in to other scenes? Or do you want to have like one whole scene that is somehow a chase of this research? I'd be fine with either way. Uh, because it is it's like it's JT talking to a bunch of other people who aren't on this ship or right. aren't long dead. <laughs> so it's not like, oh, you're going to run into Cal and you can yeah, ask yeah, him about yeah. it. Right, right. Uh, or like, oh, I need to track down for Right. No, the the only way to really fold it into other scenes is in a flashback type fashion. But I'd be I so I'd be fine with just like this is a good place to insert this. Particularly like if it's a Cho focus scene, but like we'll cut back to Or like it's a Cho focus scene, but we've rolled an interrupt. Oh, yes, that would be very good. I think that would be a good way to do it. As opposed to setting up a scene that is fun. And if we feel it's gone too long and we haven't gotten it, then we can just so knock out a scene. It is on the block as something to happen in the future. Yeah. So the Cho scene... We discussed two possibilities. Okay. One was recon type stuff related to him looking more into the Moff's affairs. Yeah. Although I will say, JT has just gotten a whole lot of inner access to Moff affairs. But there might be things Panaka is yeah. not totally sharing with Ursa. Yeah, and that makes sense. And how much... You know, Cho is agreeing to participate in this Moff intervention, but how much JT takes him into her confidence is up to you because right. you are now thinking it's going to be a forcey thing. If JT just wants to be like, oh, Cho, gather more information and I'll handle this because you don't feel comfortable with these things, just it, pass your intel to me. Yeah, it's probably a matter of like, while we're on the ship, find out whatever you can, but you certainly left like, you coming to Naboo is a huge risk for yourself because you're supposed to be dead. Right. So I, to the Outer Rim, get a new identity. Great town. Here's a coupon. <laughs> nope. It's a horrible sounding planet. Oh, wait, no. I think it's like got some like messy set of cards. Like, uh, there's, a, there's a rebel recruiting pamphlet. <laughs> My girlfriend can get you and get you the right MOS. MOS? Your like, military occupation specialty or something. It's like oh. what your job is in the military. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe by the end of this, he won't need to join the rebellion. I think they need doctors. I don't know. He's not a doctor. They need thieves? He's not a thief. Are you sure? That's his problem. He's not a lot of things. Oh, well, that's great. Well, did you want to be a doctor? Because his definition of what he is or is not is related to pieces of paper that you hang in a wall or frame. Okay, enough about Cho and his, his problems. His other problems. So, well, I don't know. I'm pretty sure you... Well, okay, so you're dead. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a death certificate somewhere with <laughs> your name on it. That's true, because we exploded you. Okay, but what we had said was also... That the next Cho scene could be Cho and Kralani investigating the mutinous frogs. Yes. Because you wanted to get the captain on board. I don't know. There's not going to be an intention right here, but you still might want to like soften the moff up to make him receptive. Yes, I think that's good. Plus, you know, there is going to be mutiny eventually, and having information about that group could be useful. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure how much you wanted to, uh, to still press that. The, the thing is, like, it's good to balance the whole weighty philosophical issues of the moth intervention with action-adventure... More direct. Okay. Like, stuff. So, in that case, I think the most fun thing is Cho and Kirlani investigating the mutinous bras. Probably Cho is also looking for opportunities to get information, like, recount about the moth. He might be able to combine these things. Like... If, I don't know, they're breaking into some official place that has, like, surveillance cameras 
on like part of the mob's quarters, maybe not his private quarters, but like things the ship high level ship staff would have access to. Okay. Or like I don't know, the people who were loading his stuff. They might have more information about that. So we need a specific goal for this encounter. It is often a problem that like the setup and the goal are Well the setup is like where it's oh, taking okay, place, see, what's going on. Right. The leads they have is what Kurlani knows about who she saw, like where she saw them, who she saw. If there is, I don't know if there is any sort of surveillance system for like pulling that back up and seeing like who it was, oh, or if it's a matter of like asking around after Froz. Like I don't really want to establish that there's cameras everywhere. Otherwise, there's a problem with your hydra's banner. Yeah, probably there's not to the extent that you can call them up all the time. So it might be a matter of going back to the gardensy type place and attempting to locate that droid or that Froz. Yes, I think that's. That's a reasonable thing. Like, they were meeting their clandestinely, but they need to meet again for whatever reason. Well, here, we put the light side point for them. They find them. Well, it could also be she was there. She was a witness, almost using her as bait. Oh. You know, you're just, you're going to keep going back to the gardens every morning at, like, the same time, and... Be real obvious. Yeah. That's a possibility. I kind of like that idea, like, to draw them out. Right. And, like, Cho will be there as backup. Yes, I think that makes sense. JT had told Kurlani, I know somebody on the ship staff who can help you with this problem. And she brought Kurlani to meet Cho. But I think, like, Kurlani helped with the whole explode Cho plan. Yep. And Cho... Cho's a helpful person. Cho is a helpful person. And Cho is also a person who's still looking for meaning in his own life. And this is potentially helpful, useful information for what JT is planning, moth-related. So... I think Cho has, has a lot of personally driven motivation for assisting Kurlani in finding out what is going on. Right. Because ultimately, if these conspirators are out, like there is a certain level of danger to Kurlani. Kurlani herself, not an adventurer, but... She's tough. She, uh, you know, she might branch out. That's true. It's probably harder and harder to be a, you know, an alien athlete. It's getting to the point where only uh, humans are allowed to compete in the Galactic well, Olympics. Yeah, I mean, they just say that, like, well, aliens have an inherent advantage, so there's not a lot of... Okay, so getting info on the mutiny and the moth, if possible, starting at the gardens to draw out... The mutineers. Mutineers. And I'll say the light side point is, the mutineers are drawn out, eventually. (laughs) And we need to roll, if it's four or less, there is an interrupt. Two. Ooh, two is an interrupt, not even an alteration. We haven't rolled any action subjects this whole time. Not a one. Uh, We do have a list of potential... Interrupts as well. But those are all JT games. And JT takes the story over again. Ha. Uh, you would like action subject, though? Yes. Uh, research force. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Uh, 66. Higher than a four, though. Yes. Carry. 24. Tension. Carry tension. Does the mutiny actually happen? I see these two words and I'm thinking, like, the, the tension on the ship ratchets up. It's not the Imperial thing. That was just resolved. Oh, I see what you're saying. Or, like, that's tabled for the time being. Right. That would certainly... Oh, then we have to resolve that before the gala can happen. It may not even be that, like, that full-on mutiny is afoot. It may be that, that things are starting to go wrong. And the ship's staff is covering... Is, like, still Trying kind to cover of, it up. Co- yes. So, actually, I have a... Uh, so, there's going to be an announcement made. And people might be like, I don't remember this being on the... The itinerary for the ship, but the captain makes an announcement that goes something like this: "Gentle beings, this is your captain speaking. 
will soon emerge from hyperspace to pass through the famous Maelstrom. Those of you who have never made this passage are in for a treat. I recommend that you make your way to the observation port for a breathtaking view. Entire journeys through the Maelstrom should take about 21 hours. At the end of this time, we will re-enter hyperspace. Thank you, and have a great trip. JT knows about the Maelstrom as an interesting stellar phenomenon in some of his studies, ah. starship stuff. Oh, you do, do you? Uh, uh, definitely, he... it was not on the route. Uh, it also doesn't sound like a good time. I mean, it looks super cool. Good thing we didn't have to stage Joe dying. <laughs> while, while near it. Yes. The Maelstrom. Sounds delightful. I would rather go visit Sludge Falls. So, essentially, what has happened is, like, during the night, the ship, like, makes hyperspace jumps here and there, whatever, like, as it's furthering its way along its route. So, I, I would say, unbeknownst to our characters, the fact that the ship has come out of hyperspace at the Maelstrom is, is a result of the crew not being fully in control of the ship. Right. And who actually made that announcement? Was it really the captain? We don't know. Was it the captain under duress? Was it somebody Somebody's else? covering. Who, who, like, you know, makes an impressive captain. This is the captain speaking. Right. Is it somebody who's actually in control of the ship right now? Right. We don't know. But the ship is now closer than is safe to some stellar phenomenon. So it could be wreaking havoc with the ship's systems, as well as some ship systems might have other problems related to mutineers doing things or people It's a good cover for other problems happening. Yes. So we rolled an interrupt. We can still attempt to do our scene or maybe it's not at the gardens anymore. Maybe. Hmm. Where would you like now they're investigating like this wasn't an itinerary. Right. This could be like Kralani. Kralani does meditation, right? Kralani each morning goes and meditates and thinks and tries to like sort out her jumbled memories of what she heard those people talking about. She remembers more details or enough. And like she's able to remember Maelstrom. Yes. It seemed like she had heard something about them diverting the ship. Right. Making a delivery. Mm. So it may be that she and Cho take a more active, proactive investigation and like try to sneak up to the bridge to like get a look through vents at who's there. So like you go to the bridge, like this would also be a good reason to like go to engineering where they would control the... Because that would be a logical place to try to take control of and redirect the ship. Yeah, or if there's like an alternate bridge of some sort, a backup bridge. Yeah. If parts of the ship are now mysteriously closed for repairs to sneak beyond those doors. I think that makes sense. So we're not going back to the gardens again. I guess we're not going back to the gardens right now. All right, but we're still investigating the mutineers. Yep. Okay, I'm, I'm good with that, and I, I think we can end scene formally. listening to Cruise Control, set in a Star Wars universe, and played using Fantasy Flight Games' Star Wars and Genesis role-playing materials. Our players were Dan and Jen, and our GM was the Mythic GM emulator. For the serialized narrative write-up of this adventure, visit us at DiceyStories.com. There you can also find our other adventures, including a related story about JT's girlfriend Renzi, our Star Wars Rush Hour trilogy. Our music comes from Purple Planet Music. Visit them at purple-planet.com. Until next time, this is Dicey Stories reminding you... Stay safe, citizens!